the Six Figure Developer Podcast, the podcast where we talk about new and exciting technologies, professional development, clean code, career advancement, and more. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. This week, we're talking with James Clancy. James is a PM architect at Microsoft. He joined Xamarin in 2011 and has been at Microsoft now for five years. Welcome, James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, James, before we jump into the meat of things, would you give our listeners a little introduction to yourself? You know, perhaps uh, sort of tell them how you got started in the industry. Yeah, so um, I'm a self-taught developer. I never went to school for this. I'm one of those those weird guys who just went down the IT path. And um, I used to play video games at work and got really bored when I was running doing IT stuff because if everything's running fine, you can just goof off a little. And I got bored of that, and so I started doing programming, like learning SQL and things like that to write reports, and then just got into software development from there and eventually got into the mobile apps when the iPhone came out, got really excited and got really into C-sharp and Xamarin, um, which wasn't Xamarin back then, but eventually became Xamarin and just kind of jumped on that ship. Very cool. And uh, so what, are, what do you do these days? What, how, what's the path that brings you there? So now I'm a PM architect, which is a fancy, weird title. Um, that I'm not even sure what it means, but, um, at Microsoft, there's like the PM track and there's the engineering track and I'm an engineer on the PM side. Hmm. So it's, yeah, it's kind of weird. So I get to work. Um, one thing about it though, is I work with lots of different teams and I work around and I'm not just set in one small environment, which is kind of fun. I like that cause I like to bounce around a lot. Um, but because of that, I get to do lots of experiments and lots of prototypes. So if there's something that we think on the PM side that, hey, we should try this out. We should show this to customers and see what happens. Um, I get to build a lot of that stuff and then like just help with that, that dev loop and work closely with engineering as well and help them architect things come through. Um, yeah, just get through different patterns and figure out the right way to run different products. And one of the things that you've been working on, or at least working with, is Comet. And Comet is something that came up in conversation. We had uh, Scott Hunter on the show probably coming up on two years ago now. And I think Comet came up and your name came up. And, and why don't you give our listeners an introduction to what what is Comet? Yeah, so Comet is uh, started out as a prototype that was built. Um, and the idea behind it was, I actually write a lot of my UI code in C-sharp, and I have done that forever. I like the whole code. I'm not a fan of XAML. I at one point I was and I used it to build a few different things and I liked it for a while, but I hated the disconnect between the XAML and then I had to do all this weird binding stuff. And if I wanted to format, uh, I mean, did lots of things with point of sales and numbers. If I wanted to format something, a lot of times for a while I had to do different weird string things in XAML or for things to make things. It's just weird doing all these converters. And I just didn't like the way that glue felt. And so I started, eventually I started doing stuff in C-sharp instead of doing anything with any markup syntax for the UI. And I've always really liked that. And I mean, the monotouch.dialogs type stuff, I don't know, that's pretty old 
tech now. Um, I still use it. I like that style. And I like being able to just declare a couple things in a few blocks of C Sharp, have everything all in one file, one language, and just not balance between them. And so Comet, it was an experiment to try and do a modern style programming model, probably the best way of putting it, um, for doing UI in C Sharp. And so I didn't want to have to jump between languages. I wanted to do it all in one place. And there's lots of other technologies that have done that. I mean, we look at like Fabulous does an excellent job of this with F Sharp. There's the Swift UI and Swift and Flutter does it in Dart. And I really liked that style and that syntax. And so looking at a lot of those things, I wanted to take what I liked from those and see how to simplify it because I'm also lazy and I don't like to write a lot of code. So I want to make sure I could do really elegant UI in very little code and do it all in one language. And of course I like C sharp. So that's what I chose. Looking at the, the GitHub site for comment is uh, github.com slash dot net slash comment. Uh, there's a, a blurb here that says comment is a prototype for a new UI framework pattern to write application UI. It follows the model view update pattern. Probably a lot of .NET developers are familiar with the MVC pattern. So how does the model view update pattern differ? Yeah, so um, I actually get called out on using that I say, or I get called out on saying that I use MVU. Because a lot of people, there's like the whole pure MVU type thing, like which Fabulous uses, and it comes from Elm and Elmish if you go through like the history of it. But the idea of that is, is whenever you make a change, you rebuild the tree, you diff the tree, and then you update that on the screen. Comet doesn't do that most of the time because I f- it performance, it's really what it comes down to. Um, you don't want to do all that work and diff your entire UI just because you clicked on a button, I changed a label. So the idea behind it is though, it's you do it more in one file compared to like, you get to merge your view and your view model together. If you're used to MVVM, which a lot of C-sharp developers are. So it's similar to the whole MVC, how you don't have the, it's not separated out as much because the views are also testable. So you don't, like the whole reason that you separate this stuff out in MVVM is, so, oh, so I can test that. Well, go test the code. Run the view in a unit test. You can do that because it's not tied to anything specifically. And you'll actually see unit tests that run that instantiate UI. Granted, nothing's ever put on the screen. There's no pixels. It doesn't deal with any of that. But it makes sure that like a button, if I click that, the action fires, this thing changes. And all that works and happens without ever having anything on the screen because you don't need that on the screen to test that stuff. So... But what Comet does a little bit slightly different than like a normal MVU where it's that model view update. You click on a button, you change the state, the state then updates the UI. That's kind of the way behind it. But what Comet does has a binding thing that's in there that's kind of, there's a binding object which you never actually have to use. It's there, but you shouldn't touch it because it should figure it all out for you. But what it does, it ties in. So if all I did was change a label I mean, if I click on a button, it updates a variable for the click count. And now the label says I was clicked 10 times. That should not have to rebuild and rediff the whole tree. So Comet will do this little fancy update where it'll only update the label or objects that changed. You sort of were getting into getting into this a little bit, but you know, short of me just disliking YAML or something like that, why, why might I want to go and use this, this pattern in this, this framework? My assumption is that I would have the freedom to go this direction as opposed to going with a traditional like a MVVM and YAML sort of pattern. So a couple of things that are different that are really nice about it. Um, 
and Flutter did a great job of showing this off, but it's that C-sharp hot, or it's that hot reload pattern to where as you're typing, you see things live. And if you look at a lot of the original Comet demos, that's one of the main things that we showed off was having VS Code window, having an iOS simulator or your app running on a Mac or running on an Android device right next to you. And as you type, um, I was actually hot reloading as you typed. It would have like a half a second debounce on there and it would reload the code. And a reload took second like it took less than a second i think it was like 20 milliseconds or 30 milliseconds on most apps to just reload the code as you're going so um now i do it on save and the only reason is if i do it on save you can still debug the hot reloader mm. so i switched to save just to keep debugability but i mean the idea is you're just as you're typing you're seeing everything reflect and happen right there there's just something exciting about doing that and seeing that and yes there's the xaml technologies that can do that too but having that happen and your business logic and all of that reload because it's all C-sharp, it's all one file, you can click, I can change the text, I can add properties. Um, this style hot reload, because the framework was built around it, there's zero limitations. I can hot reload anything. I can add a constructor, delete constructors, I can add new properties. It doesn't matter. There's zero limitations because the framework knows how to reload itself, which makes that inner dev cycle really, really, really fast. And like I said, things like formatting thing. If you want to have a string formatted in there, um, you dollar sign quote, put some brackets in there and format what you want. And whatever you see there is just what's going to come out. You don't have to deal with any converters any way, shape, or form. There's no type converters. You just interact with things the way you'd expect to, which makes it really nice. Yeah, so I, I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper like on how this sort of came to be. Like, uh, what were you, <laughs> what were you sort of like running into and you're like, why did you, you know, go, go this direction? Honestly, what a lot of you? things. Yeah. Great question. So we're in a meeting, a lot of higher ups at Microsoft were in this meeting and people were talking about these new patterns and things like that. And I, and I was like admiring them and saying how much I like them. And we're like, well, why don't we have something like this for C sharp? And it was told in that meeting that it was impossible to do it without changing the C sharp language. I'm like, no. And like, yeah, this is impossible without changing the language. So I did it <laughs> just to prove it could be done. <laughs> um, that's happened a lot in my career. I get told that something's impossible and I'm like, no, we can do that. Like the whole hot restart, Xamarin iOS hot restart. I was told, I'm like, no, we can do this. I was having a conversation with someone like, I promise you we could do this. Like, no, it's impossible. And so that was on a Friday. By Saturday, I'm like, here's a prototype of it. <laughs> so it's just, I, I don't know, I do that. So, so you're the go-to guy. When there is a challenge to be accepted, you are the one to pick up that gauntlet. If it's something I think that can be done easily, I mean, I think a lot of that comes down to I not I have no proper education with this stuff. And so I look at things very differently, and I look at most things in a very simplistic manner. And I don't always think about the right way to do it. Like, I don't get hung up on, is this the right way to do it. If I was to go and teach a class on this, is this how I teach? I'm like, no, can this be done? Yeah. What if we do this, this, and this? And I can write like three lines of code versus your 20 and look, it works. I'm just that lazy guy who does things that way. And so I don't get stuck in the box because I just don't, I don't think that way. And so I have no problem doing things that are weird or not traditional to make things work. And sometimes I wonder if the people who know me just tell me things are impossible just because they want me to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's been used against me at least once. Not the worst reputation to have, I guess. <laughs> so I was prepping for this, this conversation and, and watching one of the 
uh, videos on your YouTube channel, .NET Maui, and comment from uh, mm-hmm. April of 2021. And also just flipping through some of the documentation on GitHub about the platforms being targeted, uh, among them being iOS, Android, UWP, WPF, Mac OS, Xamarin Forms of all flavors and targets, and Blazor. Clayton's not here tonight, but Blazor is one of his favorite new technologies. But watching your YouTube video and seeing the the different files, the different target files and, and things that you have to specify, I'm assuming because of the the specific platform implementations. I, I, I haven't done a whole lot of mobile application. I'm primarily a web application developer. So I, I'm at most familiar with the fact that there are targeted platform specific files usually in this type of development? Yeah, so a lot of that actually gets hidden by you. Um, The whole concept with Maui and what we're doing with Maui makes it to where certain things matter per platform and some things don't. Let's be honest. If you're putting a button on a screen, a button's a button. When I tap on it, it should do something, right? Um, they may look slightly different, and they may, but overall, it's a button on each platform. And so there are things, um, the whole idea behind Maui is you would build, you'd have this platform agnostic um, way of building apps. And it's not even pattern specific. Like there's, um, most of it's interface business or interface driven. So there's interfaces for this is a button, this is a label, this is a radio button, that type of thing. And so what we do inside the Maui code, and so a lot of what you were seeing there actually wouldn't be in your own code. It would be in the Maui library where at that point we'd say, okay, so this is what a button does. And they do behave differently and the way you connect them on each platform is different. Um, iOS does not have a clicked on their buttons they will tell you every single step along the way. The one you do that is the closest to a click is touch up inside. And so we do the things like that where we do the work to make sure we connect to the right event to do what you would expect that to do. And then it off it goes. Now, one of the benefits is you still have that same power that we do, or we can do per platform, say this is what it should do. So you could at any point just jump in and say, hey, this is on this platform. I want to hook in and run this code. Because I know an iPhone can do this. It can, I want to tie into like the facial scanning stuff or thing, or not, sorry, the, yeah, face ID stuff. Or on Android, tie into the little thumbprint readers or even on old iOS versions with the thumbprint stuff. So you have the ability at any point to drop down and access those. Um, and similar, a lot of that stuff has been started being exposed into the web world as well. I mean, you can ask for the user's location, you can ask for, um, yeah. Lots of you have lots of power there now, so we give you that same type of thing. And all most of the common things are abstracted, so you don't have to know how it works per platform. But at any point, you can um, you'll see I do that in comment where I have a file where it has what um, whatever file or foo.cs, foo.ios.cs, and those are partial classes. And the iOS stuff I can call into the iOS methods, um, and I'll have that same partial method for Android.net standard whatever, and you can just call between them, which is pretty nice to be able to do that. What you're talking about there is .NET MAUI, right? Correct. Comet started, I don't know, a couple years ago, um, all over that little, it's impossible thing. So I did that, did a prototype of it. And then what we ended up doing was we're like, we talked, we did customer development, we showed this off, we showed it at conferences, and we're like, so is this something we want to explore? And at the time, when I was building Comet, I was, um, if you're familiar with Xamarin Forms, I was basically rebuilding Xamarin Forms from scratch and doing it in a very different way. 
And so we're like, well, if we want to be able to enable this whole Comet, C-sharp, UI, MVU stuff, um, people still want to build apps with XAML and people still want to have the stuff they're used to. How do we maintain this? Do we, I mean, Xamarin Forms is like six people. Do we get six people <laughs> working on Comet and we now have two competing platforms? No, that's, that's crazy. So what we've done is we took this, um, now that we were looking like, yes, we want to try and support other platforms. You also notice like the Blazor, if you're into Blazor, you'll see that there's the Blazor mobile binding stuff to where you can write a Blazor app, but it's actually iOS controls, not a web view under the hood. That's a really cool experiment and it does really cool things. And that was built on top of Xamarin Forms. With Comet, I didn't want to build on Xamarin Forms because Xamarin Forms had a lot of baggage. Um, I helped write some of that original code, so I know about some of that baggage. <laughs> and I just, I didn't want to bring my old baggage along. Let's be honest. Who does? So it was Greenfield Project. It's fun to do that stuff. So at the time, it's we're looking at making this a real product or how would we go about that. You can't just ask for another team. And I, even at Microsoft, they don't say, well, here's here, go hire six people doesn't work that way. So we got to work the resources we have. And so we started, we designed, or we talked about it and we decided to re-architect Xamarin Forms and let's clear out some of the baggage and let's re-architect it so um, the what we have can work for both the XAML-based MVVM and also something like C-sharp MVU, um, allow Fabulous to use this new layer without any overhead. Let's use Xamarin or use the Blazor mobile bindings. Let them tie into this. And so that was kind of the idea behind it is let's come up with something new that anybody who wants to build a new framework can build off of, but it's not tied to a specific way of building apps. And so that's what Maui is. And that's where Maui has come from. Um, so Maui is re-architected to, yeah, it's a very, very the Maui dot core, the Maui core layer is a very thin layer that knows nothing about XAML. It knows nothing about MVVU, MVVM. It's just a bunch of interfaces. And then this is what these interfaces would do on screen. And so that's the Maui core layer. And now Maui, what most people just call Maui would be, we call it the controls layer, which is the XAML stuff. Comet now relies on Maui core. It doesn't rely on any of the XAML stuff or any of that thing. So none of that baggage is brought in when you're using XAML. I mean, sorry, when you're using Comet, you're just using this raw thin layer. And our performance gains have been huge for this architecture change. In some instances, we're seeing 200% speed improvement. And that's not an exaggeration. Um, a new thin layer that's architected properly is really fast. And so it's, it's fun. The .NET MAUI stuff is still slated for this November for .NET 6. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Um, preview 6 should be coming out this week. Um, right now. So right now, yeah, there's Comet Nougat. There's Comet on Nougat. The Nougat version of Comet is targeting Preview 5. Um, today, that's what I was working on, is finishing the stuff to get it ready for Preview 6. So when Preview 6 lands, you'll be able to use the Nougats and it'll do Preview 6 instead. How does one get started, uh, to, you know, kind of in Comet and whether you're using, looking at maybe Maui, you know, with that coming, or can we use it today? Is there, you know, with something else? Absolutely. So Comet is shipping in a, it's not, it's still being done as a preview. It's not being shipped in band with that. So because of that, it's a nougat. It's super easy to use. You can add it to existing projects. You can do um, the new Maui stuff, all targets net six, but I've done a little trickery in the nougat so you can use it in not net six to try it out now because that's, I mean, let's be honest, our tooling's not quite ready yet. 
for Net6. Um, as you mentioned, we still got four months to get it, so we're good there. But for now, the tooling's a lot better in the existing tooling. So if you you can just add the NuGet and go at it. If you want to try the Net6 stuff, you can install, there's a template you can install. It's right there on the wiki getting started. You install the template, then you do .NET new comment and give it a name and it'll create a comment app for you. And those NuGets will be getting updated this week when the preview stuff comes out, which will have some more bug fixes and some more things in there. It's a little interesting with the transition, the shift to Maui. Comet has more bugs now than it had a year ago, <laughs> but that's what happens when you delete half the code and shift it over to a new new core. But it's it's going to be better long term because um, Xamarin for or the XAML stuff and the Comet stuff will share the same core layer. The mobile bindings, the Blazor mobile bindings uses that same core. Um, Fabulous hopefully will port over and use that same core. So. Lots of libraries using the same core will make it to where you can even mix and match inside your own app. You can have one screen in XAML. The next screen you can build in Comet. The next one you could do in Blazor. So you'll be able to mix and match and they'll be able to interact and work with each other. We started to have this conversation before we hit record about previously in in your old Xamarin days, a a project like this or, or a proof of concept like this might make it to market much, much faster or at least get in front of more people earlier. Has this been a an interesting time for trying to get uh, an experiment like this to to get some traction behind it, or what's that been like? Oh, absolutely, it's very different. I mean, a startup, there's just a perceived notion of how those things work. I mean, you can ship something and then you can kill it off in three months, and people might complain a little bit, but they understand it's a startup. Microsoft can't do that. If Microsoft ships something, they support it for the next ten years. So the time it takes to ship something takes a lot longer. And it was it was a learning curve switching from startup life to Microsoft, just that speed alone. Because, I mean, I look at how quickly we did something. I mean, Xamarin Forms, we did it as a prototype. Um, Jason and I worked on it. We both took our Christmas vacation hacks, put it together, brought a couple people into Boston. A few of us worked on it for a week. We disappeared and everyone ignored it. Then a couple months later, we jumped on. We got it working in like two months and shipped it. So just seeing the differences. And now it's like, so I had a proof of concept that worked really, really well. And I mean, two years ago, like I said, before we started, when I was talking about the old Comet version from two years ago actually works a lot better than the current one because of shifting to the new Maui architecture. And it's just interesting seeing, yeah, had I done that proof of concept during Xamarin days, it would have been, yeah, we would have grabbed a team and built a product and shipped it in a couple months. And you don't have that 10-year life cycle (laughs) agreement to maintain it in a startup. (laughs) I mean, most people don't expect a startup to last 10 years, let alone maintain software for that long, so... All right. So, uh, when 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 do you think Comment uh, will lose its uh, sort of experimental status, or are there any upcoming milestones that you're looking to hit? So, right now, no. And I, to be honest, I'm actually really glad I'm not in those milestones. Um, another thing, startup versus Microsoft. When you start getting in these bands, I mean, you can only ship. Um, Maui's only going to be able to ship new updates with .NET with with versions of .NET. I mean, new versions of .NET come out. I'm not sure what their ship cadence is, but it's every few months um, where they can do like incremental changes, but major changes, it's a slow process. And so Comet, I don't want to be restricted by that. 
I'm actually really happy at staying out of bound because I want to keep trying things and experimenting things. And frankly, I like to break things at this point because there's things that I'm like, you know, this doesn't feel right. Um, sure, it made sense when I did it a year ago. But now that we're talking about making this um, worked it better, I want to be able to break um, break things. Uh, one of the things, a great example, when you look at like, um, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Xamarin Forms, but when people get used to using a platform or things, there was a thing that we added in there for fonts, giving you named fonts, right? So you could say, I want this font to be large, I want this one to be medium, this one to be small, right? Or caption, things like that. Well, um, back then when we did that, um, Apple didn't have the concept of like um, changing the font sizes based the same way, right? You didn't have the auto-adjusting fonts the same way. And now that those came out, we wanted to change those. So if you said large, it was hard-coded to be like, what, 18 point or something like that. But if someone upped their scaling to 200%, it should be 36, right? You should double that. Well, we do that and everyone freaks out because that's a breaking change now. And, but even though it's the logical thing that makes sense, and you're like, well, you never specified you wanted that 18. You said make it large. What's large? And so we get stuck in things to where we're not allowed to change things because it's a breaking change. And the moment I'm marked as not a preview or experimental, I'm going to be stuck in that. And I was just working on an app, and I did not like the way the animation stuff worked. I completely changed the, the behavior for animations and comment. Your code you wrote was the same. It was API compatible, but the behavior was different and it's a lot better and it's faster. It actually calculates all the animation stuff on a background thread rather than the main thread. Like that's a good change. And it fixed, it actually fixed some bugs I was having to where the binding stuff was getting confused because it didn't know what, like everything was happening on one thread and things were getting confused. Now I can separate things out and say, oh, this is happening in an animation thread. You can ignore that for binding stuff. That's good, and but it's a major behavior change. Um, most users aren't going to notice, but if one person does, I'm going to have to now add a flag to enable new animation behavior. So I'm happy I'm not in band yet because Maui Core still isn't isn't stable enough. The, um, to be honest, when it ships, there's still not going to be everything I need in there to fully have Comet complete anyway. And so Comet's going to ship some of its own stuff, some of its own handlers to handle platform-specific things and I want those to be removed, but that's public API. So can I remove them? No, I'm not allowed because it'd be a breaking <laughs> change. Even though you shouldn't use those, um, I can mark it as internal and have it inside an internal namespace. But it was a public API, even though I said internal. So I'm not pushing to be marked as stable for a while because I want to be able to make it better without being told I can't ever change an API. Do you have any resources that uh, would be great for our listeners if they want to check out Comet, maybe Maui, Xamarin Forms, any any other things that we talked about? But where where might you direct them, especially for Comet stuff? Yeah, definitely for Comet, go to the GitHub repo. Um, the documentation, some of it's a little bit out of date, but the getting started, I've kept updated. So if you go to the getting started on how to actually jump in and get going, um, it works. And if you want to test out like the .NET 6 stuff, the new stuff that's coming, using actually the Comet stuff is one of the nicer ways of doing it. Comet has its own VS Code extension, so you can actually debug and build the .NET 6 stuff right there inside of VS Code, which doesn't even exist for Maui right now, which is kind of nice. So using the Comet extension stuff is pretty good. Um, but yeah, you can just install the VS Code extension. You can do, um, you just, you have to add the template because it doesn't ship with .NET. So there's a one line of code to add the template to .NET. Then you just do .NET new Comet and off you go. 
And documentation is something I know is lacking. I need to spend time working on it. It's hard to get to some of that stuff. <laughs> it's, I know it needs it, and it's very important, and I'm going to work on it, but there's so many other things. I've been working with, like, just working with Maui Core and making sure we keep Core in a direction that makes sure that things like Comet and you know, the Blazor binding stuff still is feasible. What has been helpful in your career that you might share with those just getting started or those looking to level up their own careers? Yeah, so I had a slow start breaking in to the field because I was in IT and I was running an IT department of managing um, networks for stores and things like that. And uh, switching over was actually, I found it a little more difficult than I thought it would be. I mean, I looking back, I understand who wants to hire a programmer who's never programmed before. And it's like, yeah, I did a couple of things. Look, it's cool. This is what I want to be. So um, it was a little bit hard breaking into that, but what I did to break into it and to really get going was I spent some time building a project that I wanted and a project that I, that I cared about because then I kept working on it. The first really big project I did was my old G music app. It was the first Google music client on iOS way back in the day. And I worked, it really taught me a lot and it helped me push the envelope of like what I could do and what I thought I could do was really, I chose something that it was, way out of my scope at the time. And I, but f- following through and finishing and actually publishing it to the app store and getting users and then interacting with users, it taught me a lot. And at that point, once I was doing that, it was super easy to, to get jobs and to switch between things. He was like, look, here's something I've done. Um, and that was really, really useful for me. And then also joining a startup was really good. Um, I learned a lot more in a startup than I have at Microsoft. Let's be honest. When you join some of these larger companies, you do learn. I'm not saying I don't learn anymore, especially if my bosses are listening. I'm still learning and pushing the envelope. I mean, Comet came during the Microsoft days. But the speed, going back to what I said earlier, the speed. Had I done a prototype at Xamarin, we'd have shipped it three months later. Four tops, right? You, When you have the ability to try things and learn and fail quickly like that and try things out and say, okay, this isn't working, let's change it, let's make it better, let's do something else. You get those. You get that at a startup, and you can learn so fast. Um, when I joined Xamarin, I joined as a customer support engineer. Basically, what I did was I was help desk, and I had already been a developer at this point. I already had apps in the app store. I'd been a professional developer, but I joined that as help desk. That was my first role there. That lasted two months tops, and I was off doing different things because there's so many opportunities to grow and change and do different things at a startup, especially if you're early on. If you're willing to do something and learn something and try something else, yeah, you'll get the opportunity. Like It's amazing how many different things I did during my time at Samron. That's awesome. Where can our listeners go to sort of follow you and keep up with what you're working on? Yeah, I'm Clancy on GitHub. I'm Clancy on Twitch. I've been really bad about live streaming lately, the whole COVID and kids being home and school starts soon though. So my kids will be gone and I'll have more <laughs> time where I can actually focus and do that type of stuff. So um, definitely I'll be doing Twitch streaming again in the next few months. Happy to get back into that. And I'm JT Clancy on Twitter. So, but um, yeah, I have a Discord. It's listed any of that stuff. I'm always available for answering questions. If you have issues with Comet, you'll notice in the Getting Started, there's actually a link to the Discord in there. You can jump in there, ask questions. If you look at the history, people have asked me, when are we doing this? And milestone questions. I get asked anything. How does this work? And I show sample codes from some of my own apps in Comet. So feel free to, yeah, reach out if you have any questions. 
All right. Excellent. Thanks so much, James. Really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. That was James Clancy. James is a PM architect at Microsoft. He joined Xamarin in 2011 and has been at Microsoft now for five years. If you like this episode, please like, rate, and review on iTunes. Find show notes, blog posts, and more at sixfiguredev.com. And catch us live each week on Twitch, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at SixFigureDev. This has been another episode of the Six Figure Developer Podcast, helping others reach their potential. I'm John Calloway. I'm Clayton Hunt. And I'm John Ash. <laughs>